Morning, everybody. Uh, I'm Dean McCombs. Uh, me and my wife Kate have been coming here for a little over a year now, so I'm really excited to uh, just be up here with you on this second Sunday of Advent as we uh, turn our attention to peace. Uh, would you join me in this responsive reading? The Lord gives strength to his people, the Lord. Blessed his people with peace. Psalm 29 11. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. Psalm 34, 14. Lord, you established peace for us. All we have accomplished, you have done for us. Isaiah 26, 12. 
Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. Isaiah 54.10. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.1. You will go out in joy and be led forth in peace. The mountains and hills will burst into song before you, and all the trees and field will clap their hands. Isaiah 55, 12. May the God of hope fill you with joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of his Holy Spirit. Romans 15, 13.
It's okay. It's been a full morning. <laughs> we don't usually have to stop at 8.30 to, to, to let kids practice, so it's okay. We're going to sing a Christmas carol. So let's start it again. Thank you, Kate. I think you'll recognize this one. Let's sing together. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining.
well, I'm going to tell you that I was going to sing Mary Did You Know as a congregational song this morning, and then I I decided to change my mind, but um, seeing as how our painting this week, which if you weren't here last week, I mentioned that Chloe Brogan, she usually attends the second service, she painted these as, as just part of our Advent worship experience, and didn't she do an absolutely incredible job? I. I just, I am, I'm stunned by her work, and I'm, I'm so thankful that we have just yet another image that we can look to as we are thinking about um, these themes of Advent. As I'm thinking about Mary and, and wondering about the songs, or I mean about the, the questions that we sing about in this Mary Did You Know song, I'm pretty sure everybody knows this, right? Like, Mary, did you know that one day your, your little baby is going to walk on water? Mary, did you know that one day your little baby's gonna save our sons and daughters. Mary, did you know that your little baby has walked where the angels trod? Did you know that your baby has kissed the face of God? I wonder just a little bit more as I look to Mary in this, in this picture and see her, her belly just so full, like a little basketball under her dress expecting this child, this miracle, I have to think, what are some of the other things that she wondered? Maybe she wondered, God, are you really faithful? I mean, she was a faithful woman, a faithful girl, right? This is why the Lord chose her. But do you think maybe she questioned through all of this difficulty, are you, are you gonna be true to your promise? I have to wonder, maybe she, she looked at some of the older women in her community and, and went running as fast as her little pregnant self could carry and said, hey, tell me the story again of how God was faithful to you. I need to be reminded. Or that maybe she had a friend next door that she'd pop over to every few days and say, hey, tell me again that time that the Lord was true to his promises in your life. Or that they gathered to read the scriptures and she listened to the times of all of our faithful forefathers that have gone before us and, and have these stories of God's faithfulness to his word and his promises. And I think that we find ourselves in a similar place here, right? We're at a different point in history and we, um, we have different uh, parts of scripture to read that are, that are post-Jesus. And that's what I'm going to read to you here um, from Hebrews chapter 10. And I... I um, I love the title. I know that these bold titles in the Bible aren't, aren't necessarily, they weren't there to begin with, but I, I do love this one that says, a call to persevere. I think this is really fitting here and now. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. Let's continue singing this
feel like it's right to pray a little bit. Um, if you could keep playing something. And our altars are always open. At any point in our singing, you know you're welcome to come kneel, sit. Um, I just think it's right to, to pause and, and pray. Um, this is a season that has a lot of mixed emotions, right? It's so joyful and beautiful and we sing a lot of songs of celebration, but I know there's a lot of hurt and brokenness as well and the holidays seem to emphasize that. And so if, if you find yourself in, in one of these broken slots of um, missing a loved one, brokenness in your family or financial distress facing job loss um, hoping for something that hasn't yet come wanting a loved one to know Jesus and many others if you find yourself in that spot I I want to give you the space to pray over that if if you don't but you have someone that is laid on your heart. Church, we need to carry each other in our prayers. And so I want to take some time and space to do that. If you want to come to the altar and pray, if you want to walk to a friend and lay your hand on their shoulder, um, if you want to sit, do that. But let's just take just a, a few moments um, to pray. Heavenly Father, we have praised you. We have lifted up your name in thanksgiving for who you are. We have in a small way confessed our sins and thought of the glorious thought that you've nailed our sins to the cross and declared us righteous. And now we intercede for loved ones and for the, the people that that are around us that, that need something Lord we know you are the helper and the one who cares and you are good and we ask that whatever situations may be that your peace would come and that we would sense your peace and know your peace so deeply in our hearts that as we walk um, from this place, Lord, that as we're interacting with those that we're praying for, Lord, that peace would be in our conversation. Peace would be um, just in our, in our midst because you, you are good and you are holy and you are with us as we go from here. Um, we just love you, Lord, and we want our lives to show that. I ask that now you'd be with Pastor Paul as he brings the word that you've laid on his heart. Would you um, help us to leave this place a changed people because of you? We love you. Amen. We're in the second week of our Christmas scenes uh, series, and, and so we've been naming some famous Christmas movies. So let's start with the first one. Let's see if you can name this movie. Ah, you guys are good. Okay, what about the second one? 
Actually, that's die hard. No, no, you, you, you were right. All right, let's try the third one. Jingle all the way. You guys were perfect this week. Of course, that was our favorite Christmas movie. Any Christmas movie that has Arnold Schwarzenegger in it is a good Christmas movie. And so these are familiar scenes, and, and, and we're, we're talking about familiar scenes in the biblical story, and we're talking about familiar words in the biblical story. And last week we talked about Joseph and love, and, and this week we're talking about Mary and peace. And so beginning in Luke uh, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, it says this. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from, the, from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the Holy Child shall be called the Son of God. And behold, even your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who is called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, May it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So last week we talked about love and, and we talked about Joseph. And, and I read a passage and we, we talked about Joseph and we talked about love. And, and the word love was not used once in the passage. But, but Joseph was this image of love. He, he showed us what love looks like. And, and love's not this emotional thing that we make it sometimes, but, but love was simply caring for the needs of Jesus and Mary. And then this week, the word peace is not in this passage. It's, it's not one of the passages that we read earlier in our responsive reading, but Mary demonstrates what biblical peace looks like. Now, now oftentimes we think of peace as the absence of conflict. It's, it's when there's no war, it's when there's no fighting, it's when there's no chaos, that this is the image of peace. And, and yet the biblical image of peace is, is more than a lack of conflict, it's more than a, a lack of, of, of chaos. Um, in fact, imagine this. You have a, a fight with your spouse. Now, I know, imagine this. I know nobody ever fights with their spouse. Uh, and you're sitting watching TV, and no one's speaking, but there's an icy chill in the room, right? Uh, it's, it's not, you know, you got the furnace on, it's warm enough, but there is a chill in the room. You know, there's no active conflict there, right? But there's also no real peace there. Peace can be present 
even in the absence or even in the in times where there's difficult circumstances and 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 so even in the midst of chaos there can be peace um, the other day or yesterday uh, Terry's out of town so it's just me and Spencer so we do what we do we went to McDonald's for lunch or we went through the McDonald's drive-thru and and so as I'm driving through the McDonald's drive-thru there was a car behind me and there was a grandma with two young children. Now, I'm assuming it was grandma. I, I have a story. I, I went to Chipotle uh, with my boys uh, several years ago. And, and the person, we went to Chipotle a lot, me and Terry, but we'd never went with the boys. And, and when I came with the boys, the lady said, oh, are these your grandkids? And we said, no, and we're not eating here ever again. But, but, but I assume that she was a grandma because she looked about my age and these boys looked like there was one in a car seat that looked like he was about one and a half and one sitting uh, beside him that looked like he was about three and they were having a good old time as only little boys that age can have a good old time they were smacking each other in the head and throwing things the whole car was shaking you know one of them was grabbing a seat and it was like ah! it made me happy my boys were older but as I looked at that image, and I saw the grandma and the boys laughing and smacking, <laughs> I didn't see an absence of peace. But I saw an image of wholeness and peace and joy, even in the midst of that chaos. And see, this is the reality. Biblical peace is not butterflies and harp music. <laughs> It's not, peace can be present even when there's conflict all around, even when circumstances seem a bit chaotic, even when life seems a little bit out of control. Now think about that. If peace is only present when life is smooth and there's no conflict and and, and, and there's no chaos around us, then when, when God says peace on earth, he's not telling something that's truthful. So he's, when, when God says there's peace on earth, God's saying peace is something that goes beyond the conflict that rises around us and something that's beyond the chaos that's sometimes around us. And, and peace goes beyond the uncertainty that we face ourselves, that faces us at times. See, biblical peace is more about wholeness. This image of wholeness, even when there's conflict around, even when there's chaos around, even when there's difficult circumstances, even when we're surrounded by things that we don't choose, we can have biblical peace. And Mary is a perfect example of this. Think about it. She's a 13 or 14-year-old girl. Uh, she's pledged to Joseph. And the angel's saying, oh, by the way, before you're married to Joseph, before it's physically right, before people will see you in, in a correct light, you're going to be expecting a child. You know, I, I, I don't think she can even begin as a 13 or 14-year-old girl to begin to understand the full implications of this. She, she can't even begin to understand, how's my story going to 
turn out. You know, she's trusting God here, but she, but she doesn't know what Joseph will do. She, she doesn't know what her family will do. She, she doesn't know the full implications. She, she's pulled into circumstances that she didn't choose. Mary didn't pray, oh, God, can you please help me become pregnant as a virgin? This wasn't what she chose. This was God's desire. And, and she's facing perhaps rejection from Joseph, her family, her community, and her friends. It's circumstances she didn't choose. She didn't ask for. She hadn't planned on it. She couldn't have planned on this in a million years. And yet she says, behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. Peace, wholeness. What was the secret of Mary's peace? She, she trusted God and was simply obedient in the most difficult of circumstances. You know, I, I keep coming back to that word obedient. You know, I, I think sometimes that the answer to our question, the answer to our, 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 our deepest yearning, maybe just be, is found in that simple word of obedience. That, that Joseph's love was sourced in what? Obedience. That Mary's peace was sourced in what? Obedience. So let me ask you, what circumstances are you allowing to keep you from peace? What, what, what conflict around you, what, what relationship, what, what unfulfilled dream or plan, what, what strange detour in life, what, what in your life is keeping you from saying, bond servant of your Lord, whatever, you know, I'm here, whatever, whatever God, I'm going to trust you. Uh, I love Terry and I give him this nickname, Terry Ubermore. <laughs> Terry's the Uber driver of the church. He takes people everywhere. And Terry, you know, he's faced some really hard circumstances over the past, since I've been your pastor. In the last nearly eight years, Terry's faced Sharon's health concerns. She, she was pretty sick. And, and, and Terry was a trooper, and, and then she passed. Terry didn't want that. That wasn't, that wasn't in their agenda. That wasn't in their plan. And then Terry, his son, passed. And, and once again, that wasn't in his plan. That wasn't his desire. That wasn't the circumstances that he wanted. And Terry places himself with people going through difficult circumstances. You ever notice that? That, that when people are going through hard times, you know who's with them? Terry Moore. And yet... I believe Terry is an image of peace. Not because the past few years have been easy, but it's what he chose. He chose to trust God throughout. So let me ask you, what about you? Do you have that sense of wholeness, of obedience, of trust, regardless of your circumstances? Can I tell you what the rub is? If we're waiting for the circumstances to get peaceful before we find peace, we will never find peace. In this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. 
So when Jesus says that, is Jesus saying, well, I've overcome the world. There's only peace in my life. No. Jesus is saying, I've overcome the world because I just trust the Father and whatever the circumstances are, I'm going to trust him and rely on him and be obedient to him. See, if we want to find peace, if we want to have wholeness, something needs to change inside of us. It's not our circumstances that are the problem. It's this thing within us that wants to control and can't trust. It's trust in the midst of circumstances, a heart like Mary. Isaiah says it like this, the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. Do you trust him this morning? Are you relying on him? Peace is found from inside with trust, not by changing our circumstances. Now we're going to receive communion again, and, and communion's been different this month. And I'm going to ask Amy to come. If she's here, she's going to play, and, and Brian and Dolly are going to get our elements ready. Um, you know, oftentimes, my concern is that we, can, we separate communion from real life, that it's, it's something that's it's unusual. And, and can I have one of those, Dolly? Just one, another grape. Thank you. We separate communion from real life. It's, it's, it's something different. It's those thin little wafers. It's those little cups. And, and so I want us to see communion a little bit different. And I know this is, this is different probably than maybe any communion you've ever received. And Desiring the Kingdom, James Smith writes, that, and he goes through a, a liturgical service. And everything that they do in a liturgical service, James Smith, every element is meant to inform how we live our lives. And so from the welcome to the scripture to the confession to the communion, every element of a liturgical service was not something separate from life, but was meant to inform life. So last week in communion, we talked about how communion was ordinary and, and Jesus used ordinary elements, bread and wine, something they had every meal. And so when Jesus was presenting communion and beginning communion, the ideal was not that every Sunday... They would reflect on his presence. But every time they sat and ate, they would say, he's here. In every significant conversation. This week, just a grape. And if I could have figured out a way to get to a, a tasty piece of grain, I had a piece of wheat for you to eat, but that's not too good, okay? So day, just a grape. See, grapes were essential. It was a primary product. Um, Samson, you know the story, Sam, Samson destroys their wheat, their grapes, and their olive groves. In other words, Samson destroyed their whole economic, the Philistines' whole economic structure. And the grape represents the economic structure of Israel. With the grape, they ate them fresh. They made raisins. They, they used it as a sweetener. They, they used it for wine, which was an essential drink. They didn't have water like we have water and other things, so it was, it was essential. 
They used it as something that would promote health. It was essential to life. This little grape was central to their society. Back to communion. When Jesus uses these elements, he's not trying to introduce something strange or weird, but he's using something very ordinary and something very essential. And Jesus is saying, see me in the ordinary elements of life. But more than that, can you see me as essential to life? <laughs> that, that everything that you have, I am essential. So today we're going to receive a grape. And we're going to receive it like we typically do. You're going to come from the back. And, and then we, we probably won't do the same language. I think today as you receive a grape, maybe you just need to say to yourself, Jesus is essential. Can you say that with me? Jesus is essential. So as you receive that, just think that, and, and then we'll, we'll receive them together as a community as you uh, receive your elements. Stand with me, if you will. Let's pray. Lord, help us as we receive this simple image of you, this grape. May we be reminded, Lord, that you are essential to life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Though trials should come
do this in remembrance of me. This morning, I want you to be reminded of this. Jesus is essential. He's the central part of life. Can you say that with me? Jesus is essential. Father, we give you thanks. We're thankful for the sweetness of that grape. And we're reminded how sweet you are. How you've brought savor and flavor to life. How, how Lord, you give us mission and purpose. You give us relationships, friendships. You give us this place that, Lord, in, in your plan and your will, this is a place of healing and health, laughter, friendship, where joys are doubled and griefs are shared, where, where we don't carry these things alone. So, Lord, help us. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Help us to love each other. Lord, help us to love our neighbor as ourselves. And Lord, as we walk through this Christmas season and the images are all around us to remind us of a God who loved us so much that he wrapped himself in human flesh and he tabernacled among us. And when the time was right, you submitted yourself to a cross to die in our place. And through that broken body, through that veil, we can encounter our Heavenly Father with boldness. Lord, help us to be thankful for that. Help us to reflect on that, not just in church services, but in our everyday, ordinary life. Now be with us as we go from this place. May we continue to be blessed by you, and as you bless, may we bless others. In Jesus' name we pray.